you know, I think uh, there's tons of challenges up there, but you gotta, you gotta embrace them as either an opportunity or like, I don't know. It's like hiking up a mountain. Yeah. It's a challenge, but you're going to get to the top if you keep pushing. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 23 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that aims to have people tell their stories and tell of the lessons that they've learned, because I am of the mind that even though we often consider ourselves very ordinary people, that if we look closely enough, we've all had extraordinary experiences. We've all had epic experiences. And really, if we look closely enough, I would also argue that actually all of it is epic because it's ours, because it's our story. And there's no way to get away from the fact that this is your hero's journey, whatever that is. You know, even if it's a the, the day-to-day job that you don't necessarily love or something, You know, the movie Conan the Barbarian has a whole section that, of course, gets turned into a montage, but it's Conan as a little kid pushing, what is it, the wheel, the wheel of something. I'm going to look that up. Essentially, the author, the director of, of that film made it a workout session as... Conan pushes this wheel and we see him growing in strength and size and suddenly Arnold Schwarzenegger has massive muscle definition, you know, because because he's been working out, I guess, conceivably for whatever, 20 years. I'm going to look up what that wheel is. The Wheel of Pain in the movie, in the 1982 movie, Conan the Barbarian. Okay, not to get stuck on the the topic of Conan the Barbarian, but I think that many of our lives are like that. That something that is even seems so normal day to day can be so actually epic because all the lessons that we're learning and all the things that we take away and how things in our lives can change so dramatically. And the guest of this week has no different of a background. This is my good old friend, Ben Dawson. Ben Dawson. He is now an actor in New York City and He's been there now for pushing six years, and we we go into many of the things that we do when I have a guest who is a friend of, of over a decade. So we talk about our origin story. 
we talk about some of the glory days when we were in college getting to know each other and getting to know ourselves. And then we really talk about some of his own personal adventures, moving from Nashville to New York City to pursue acting. You know, what it is like to act and what it is like to overcome when something like an audition does not go well. And these things, of course, apply to many areas in life. Ben Dawson has an absolutely ridiculous physique, and we talk about how he works out, how in a day-to-day working life he's able to continue to train And we talk about many other things, lessons that he would share with his 19-year-old self. We run the gamut. And there's also the talk at the very beginning of the adventure that he and I had recently had. We had actually gone hiking, and things had not necessarily gone according to plan. So that's kind of where we kick it off. If you want to support Epic Ordinary Lives, the best way to do that is to go to epicordinarylives.com and you will see an Amazon banner at the top of the screen. If you click on that Amazon banner, it allows you the ability to essentially shop as you normally would and then anything that you buy, I get a small percentage back. Thank you to the good souls that have done that already. That, that man, that it means so much. And finally, the absolute best thing to do is to write a review on iTunes. I'm now over 10 reviews, and it feels great, and I would like to clear the 20. So if, if you have not yet, man, you, would, you can get me that much closer. You personally can. So let's dive right into it. Without further ado, this is my good friend Ben Dawson on the smorgasbord. That word comes up many times. The smorgasbord of adventures that he's had and all the lessons that he's learned here on Epic Ordinary Lives. I am sitting here with a friend of 11 years, Ben Dawson, after a day of hiking eating burgers, and drinking good beer. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Yeah. As you get older, it seems that you have certain friendships that you maintain in in some way completely uh, remotely. But then when you actually do get to hang out, like it's a smorgasbord kind of Saturday like we had yesterday. Yeah, we packed a lot into yesterday. I mean... We went hiking how many miles? Well, we looked at my Fitbit at the end of it, and I hit just shy of 13 miles of walking yesterday. Um, But again, we did the fiery gizzard. And you know what? (laughs) This is not on the the interview notes, but let's go into this because we we did. Let's talk about it because it was pretty epic. Yeah, and and also kind of, uh, I don't know, not intelligent because we began at a good modest 11 o'clock yeah but i think i think you said brave wrong <laughs> oh yeah that's that's exactly right yeah brave, it was 100 percent brave there's no the in no way it was it so we literally watched the sun go down while we were still very much in the woods <laughs> on purpose 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> Continue that narrative. That's that's absolutely. Cr- but hey, um, there's something quite profound, magical, and terrifying about walking in the woods when it's pitch black. Yeah, for like an hour. I mean, was I mean I don't even. You know, we, we were hiking a long time in the dark. I mean, mm-hmm. it was. It had to be at least an hour because at one point you said we still have an hour of hiking left. <laughs> yeah, because we were at yeah. some kind of point and we did. And you know, we had headlamps, thankfully, and we got to a section in a hike where you you kind of have a veer. You either go this way or that way, and there was this sickening kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach where it's like, man, we could really mess this up. Yeah, well, at one point, we didn't have that option. We were just kind of lost in the woods until we came across the marker on the trail. Yeah, <laughs> and hoping that we were doing it. I mean, we, we could right. still see the swatches right. on the tree, so we were going somewhere. Right. Didn't um, know if it was the right way or not. but. And then what did we hear as we were walking? We heard a purring sound, and it sounded like some big animal purring. Mm-hmm. Usually that's a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, maybe almost always. Can we make an absolute statement like like that? 100%. That's a bad sign when you hear a big animal purring. Even if it goes well, like, you don't want to hear purring. Yeah. Maybe a kitty cat purring, but that's not what you hear in the woods. Right. Even if you hear a kitty cat purring and you're petting it, two seconds later, it could dig its claws into your face. That's true. No warning. In the back of its mind, it's still a hunter. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so so we, and I felt like that purring sound was 15 feet away it sounded like it mm-hmm. I mean chances are it's just a motorcycle revving its engine echoing off the mountain but right I mean we later heard I heard a lion yeah yeah again yeah, yeah I, I totally think you're saying lion, lion wrong uh, uh, yeah <laughs> but then at one point we also as we were walking we heard what was either dogs or coyotes but again when you're in the pitch black yeah you don't want to find out wolves yeah <laughs> plenty of wolves in yeah in middle <laughs> tennessee but uh I, I remember we were walking and you were like those are probably dogs right and i was like maybe <laughs> yeah maybe trying to stay positive yeah yeah <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, I'm being yeah. completely realistic. Right. Uh, oh, they're probably chihuahuas. Or oh, so it totally sounded like little vocal cords for right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but we emerged, and uh, it's funny. This is the second time the the, the pharmacy is going to come up on this podcast. So again, oh, yeah. if you're listening to this, the pharmacy, then I'll wear a t-shirt. How's about a t-shirt? Yeah, give this boy a t-shirt. Get get that boy a t-shirt too. Yeah. And some pumpkin pie milkshake. Oh, man. Tell me about that. <sighs> there, there are moments in life where... I'm going to I'm gonna drop it real low. No, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real here. You know, you, you're sore. Your body is feel, filled with cortisol. And it's the good, though. The good kind of sore. Mm-hmm. It's that you did something kind of sore. And the fact that salt... And falafel burger and pumpkin pie milkshakes are going to taste a level that that you you otherwise would not perceive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it was an incredible pumpkin pie milkshake that essentially is, to put it in your words, it's like they blended a a pumpkin pie 
And then you go, well, what makes that special? I don't know, man. The tangible nature of it, the feel of it, the taste. I don't know. What, what would you say is special about it? It tasted like a pumpkin pie was in the blender. That's all you need. <laughs> so there you go, the pharmacy. We are, we are spitting out some uh, advertisements free. Yeah, we don't know what you guys do, but we like it. Yeah, I mean, way to go. Oh, and I had that coconut beer, too. It's oh, th- coconut th- th- beer. yeah. What's it called? Death by Coconut. Death by Coconut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Blues is the brewery. Yeah. And I've actually never talked about beer on this short-lived podcast, but I just want to say craft beer is like the action figures or dolls for adults. Yeah, and it's like the nice action figures. You know, yeah. you had like the knockoff yep. Barbies and then you had a Barbie. Yeah. The, if you're a girl. I don't know why I'm talking well, about Barbie. I mean, speak, you know, it so sounds like you had, I'm sorry for you. You didn't have the real Barbie. I had a crazy childhood. That's right. You, you've emerged, though. You good. You good. Sometimes. I, I mean, I had a Barbie. I had a Barbie and a G.I. Joe. I was given yeah. both. I guess we were trying to, you know, make Figure sure. you out. Well, that's not what I was, but I was okay. uh, <laughs> saying, you know, well-balanced, well-balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Oscar Blues, Death by Coconut. Yeah, try it. They're not paying us to say this. No, we're receiving zero, but if you want to send a case, uh, yes. Please. Yeah. We love your beer. We will drink it on air. It, here's the thing. Uh, Guinness, if you go to Dublin and if you go to the mm-hmm. Guinness Distillery... You have a Guinness that you don't, you cannot buy here. Right. It is a level of froth, a level of coffiness, a level of milkshake quality. And that had sort of that uh, thick, foamy yeah. experience. Is, it, is that a local beer? That is that brewery? I want to say North Carolina. Okay. We'll check on that. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. No, this is delicious, though. Yeah, one of those where the flight... It was a canned beer. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So check that out. Oscar Blues, Death by Coconut. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start today. I like to always start with the origin story of our friendship, like how how we met. Mm -hmm. And I actually think ours is a pretty cool beginning. We both lived in a dorm... That no longer exists. You want to take it? Sure. It was a dorm that was a women's dorm in the 1950s. And had since been converted to the honors dorm. Uh, believe it or not, we were both kind of smart back in the day. We yeah. We were just smart asses. Yeah, yeah well, and, <laughs> you know, obviously there's a d- decline that's going on uh, as we hike when the sun is down. That... Again, bravery, bravery, yeah. bravery, courage, stories. Get some stories, wisdom, <laughs> or lack of it. But yeah, uh, so so the first day that we moved in our freshman year, going to Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, turns out I was neighbors with this fella right here, and first day I'm moving in my stuff, and this this big buff guy, football player looking guy, comes up and he says, "Hey, you guys need help moving anything in." And I was like, "It's perfect." Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and, and so there was Aaron, and he helped move in all my stuff into my into my dorm, and uh, my parents were there. I guess he met my parents, 
and turns out we're next door neighbors. He was like, hey, I live right beside you. <laughs> Just like that. This is exactly, yeah. <laughs> hey, brother, I live right beside you. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just to be clear, uh, you know, I'll weigh like 155, probably then 160, like, but I was wearing uh, a tank top, like a black tank. Here's the thing. I moved to MTSU. My parents gave me a hug, got in a plane and flew to Germany. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta make a life. I gotta dive right in. And I guess wearing a black tank top uh, was the game plan. And helping people move. From day one, I think his nickname was the Sensitive Badass. Oh, wow. Yeah, well. Maybe you earned that, or maybe it just began that way. I don't remember. I like dichotomy. I like uh, paradox. Yeah. You know, you. you <laughs> the, the, I remember meeting you, and I think, you know, we met a lot of people. A lot of people that will hopefully be here in this podcast, but... I remember with a sense of friendship, you can have friendships where they develop over time and you you kind of don't know them and then you kind of get to where you know them. But I feel like with you, we were buds super quick. Yeah. It was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes I get you. You just meet people that you click with mm-hmm. and because you're on the same, same wavelength, you got the same mindset and you just click, you know, and... It's like you can you can talk to this person and so much is unsaid because you don't need to say it. And they just get you. And you're an only child as well for the most part. Like for the most from part. A, yeah. yeah. I got two half-sisters that are older, but pretty much an only child. Yeah. And there's definitely a specific vibe there Yeah, with that experience. Right. Both so, have crazy imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's give a... a as many hyphens as you want. What are you? What are you doing right now? Give yourself a bio. How about that? A bio. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ben Dawson. <laughs> I am an actor in New York City, and I'm pursuing television and film right now. But I also do theater as well. Um, I've been living there for about five years, and. I've been on a couple of TV shows, which is pretty cool. There's a few coming out um, in December and the beginning of next year. So that'll be pretty exciting. And when I don't do acting, uh, I am a caterer and bartender. And I make drinks for people. And you're also very handy. Yeah. Like you've got... Hyphen. I do construction work as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and I build things with power tools. Yeah, and that is actually going to come up later. Uh, I'd like to tease that cool. out. Um, well, it, I think this is a good transition because one of the really, I think, key things about you is there's a tough quality. There's a grit. There's a an undying, uh, indomitable spirit, if, mm-hmm. if you will. And I remember back in the day when we were in the dorm, I was taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu Never that good at it. I hit a uh, white belt, uh, one stripe, which if, if you're in the jiu-jitsu world, that's like barely beyond the beginning. <laughs> and part of that is because I, ju- I found jiu-jitsu. I love jiu-jitsu. I love mixed martial arts. I love MMA. But this is the first. I was in college. I wanted the smorgasbord experience. You know, I wanted kind of what like one of the things I find so cool about you is all the interests and yeah. all the things. So instead of devoting time into one 
area, I did a little bit of jujitsu, but sure. during that time, I was learning jujitsu. I was grappling a bunch, and you and I uh, wrestled. Mm-hmm. And there's one particular time in, in particular. You have a wrestling background. What is your wrestling background? Uh, I was a wrestler in middle school. <laughs> a slight background. Yeah, and slight I've been, background. Right. I've been taking jujitsu for like a few months. And we grappled like in the carpeted library section of the honors dorm while a lot of people were watching. And it was, yeah. I just, not that there's great talent or skill level, but I remember it going for like, 15 minutes or something yeah brutal i'm sure we hit our head on the walls a few times oh yeah i think that was usually how we ended matches is like somebody would hit their head on the wall and we were like okay okay yeah you're bleeding yeah you're bleeding let's pause for a second yeah let's check that out (laughs) but i remember it being just this horrific in anybody that's ever grappled and if you haven't grappled this is a great metaphor for certain things in life but the when you find that another person is not gonna check out or tap out or yeah. when they're, when they're bringing their, you know, that's a scary thing to your, you get tired. Yeah. When you have this idea, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people play in their minds scenarios where, you know, Oh, somebody comes up near me. I'm going to beat him up. You mm-hmm. know, I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. But what you don't take into account is that the other person might have skills that you don't know about. And you think you can do something, but then when you're actually one-on-one with that person, you realize pretty quickly, hey, I'm not as good in my mind as I thought I was. Yeah. You know? And grappling's kind of like that. Even if somebody just has strength on their side, they're going to use that strength to do something. And it doesn't matter how many skills you have and what kind of submission techniques you can do. If you're trying to armbar somebody and he can just happen to curl as much weight as you are, like you're not going to get that arm. Yeah, you know, and, and he's and got strength. There's, it's very counterintuitive too as to what you know. We look at body types traditionally, and we see the hulking, muscled person or the skinny person. Or the what the ectomorph? You know, there's a variety of shapes. There's Ichabod Crane to uh, uh-huh. you know uh, Gaston, I guess. Um, yeah. But there you go, Disney. Great Disney, right? Disney. But uh, it's counterintuitive because the skinny person could be the most nightmarish person to have to deal with on a jujitsu mat. You, yeah. you can't look and perceive someone's strengths just by looking at them. Right. Right. Or or their their indomitable spirit. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can wear somebody out just by wearing out their spirit and their drive. But if you can't, yeah, then you end up like... So I, re- I still remember that night uh, we, we stood up. And there again, a bunch of people probably calling us idiots or whatever, which was accurate. Yeah. Brave. Brave. Bravery. Bravery. <laughs> and... Uh, and we, but I remember walking out in front of the dorm, like with blood streaming down, exhausted. It was just like this. This is life. Like th- yeah. this is the the stuff of 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 fun, of tales of. Right. And then we probably studied for a test. Yeah. Then we worked really hard <laughs> and tried to make an A. That's a good yeah. point. There's dichotomy again. Dichotomy. You you were in the real trenches of acting and I guess in all of acting as a field Mm -hmm. it's just trenches like even people that are established uh who've been in things they've talked about how you just don't know that uncertainty yeah there's no certainty in in anything that I'm doing I don't know what I'm doing two weeks from now 
much less next week. You know, I, I could go on an audition and get an HBO contract for a million dollars next week. I would love that to happen. By the way, yeah, HBO. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, HBO. Pharmacy, HBO. <laughs> yeah, and coconut beer. <laughs> coconut beer. Feel, feel free to sponsor. Right. Uh, but yeah, you never know what's going to happen. And it's it's a lot of it is putting your time and effort into it and, and going through the paces of auditioning for things and meeting people. Um, a lot of it is also just being in the right place at the right time and being what somebody is looking for. Um, there's, there's, contrary to what you hear a lot, there's no overnight successes hmm. in acting. And if they are, they generally don't last long um, because it takes a lot of training and skill. And, you know, talent is one thing, but... You can be the most, let me, let me put this for you. You can be the most talented person in the room, but if you're not what a producer of a show is looking for, then you're not going to get the part. You know, they might have this idea that the person has blue eyes and you have brown eyes and contacts can only do so much, you know? So they're not going to pick you to do something because they have this idea in their mind. And all you can do is just do your best and then what I do is I go on an audition and I forget about it. Um, there's no hard feelings. There's no, oh, man, I didn't get picked. Oh, and this sucks, you know. You just got to go and do it and you forget about it. And you move on to the next thing. And that's hard for some people. That's why a lot of people can't stomach this career because there's so much rejection. But for me, I don't think about it as rejection. I think about it as a not right now. Mm. You've done the best you can. And you've shown them what you can do and that you're a talented individual who has these skills and you're good at it, but you might just not be what they're looking for right now. So you keep on going. Talk more about that because I feel like that is an ex... You've been doing this for a long time and you maintain a lot of... Uh, you spin a lot of plates. Like you've, you've got a lot going on and you do a yeah. lot of projects on your own as well as you do things for... And meanwhile, you're building doors and uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got a lot of interests and things. But I think talk more about that not right now, but mentality. Sure. I mean, it's, a, it's honestly a good mentality for everything you do in life. You know, whether it's a job interview or a date or... Whatever, you know, you just got to go and do your best. And that's all you can do. And if you're not what somebody is looking for, then you're going to have a hard time changing their mind. Um, I mean, that's what it is, man. You just got to do your best and bring you to the table. And don't, mm -hmm. don't pretend to be somebody else. Don't sugarcoat yourself. Just be honest. Um, yeah. Being able to fully embody that which you are and then... You, you kind of take the pressure off of yourself when you mm -hmm. no longer attach your self-worth necessarily to... I mean, rejection is not fun, right? Yeah, of course not. Not being glib about it, but it gives you kind of this toughness uh, to keep going because you don't have everything right. necessarily stacked on that. Yeah, and I'm, it's, a, it's a mental fortitude. Did you develop that or is that something you feel is more innate? I think you develop it. Um I mean, I don't think anybody innately likes rejection or handles it well, you know, so it takes it takes time to build that up and to go with that mindset 
Like, you know, you, you'll, some people are like, oh, they go over their mind. Like, what could I have done better? What could have been better about this? And they can't find a reason. And that tends to cause them to spiral downward. Mm. But if you go to these things knowing that you did your absolute best and you gave it 110%, like there's no reason you should feel bad because you brought what you could to the table. I mean, yeah, you can always say like, oh, I didn't prepare well enough. Mm. Oh, I didn't memorize this well enough. I didn't make right choices. And that's one thing. But to, to doubt yourself and your abilities... Uh, you know, there's no room for that. You got to be confident. Yeah, and if you if you've done everything you control on your end, that frees up the ability to just be like, okay, I'm gonna dance, get right. off the dance floor, and they either liked it or it, I, I like that. Yeah. Well, I've always been curious. You, you know, you've been in acting. You you were in the plays at MTSU, and yes. we would go watch and watch Ben Dawson. And I mean, you were awesome. I, I, again, I, I actually was talking about this last night. Um, yeah, no, the first time we saw you, you were in like this, all these vignettes, these scenes, uh, like little skit scenes, and you were you were like a camper with yeah. vampires. You were a hippie. Yeah, I was a hippie. <laughs> with blood. But I still remember being very excited. You know, one of the great things about our dorm was the, again, I'm going to use the word smorgasbord again. I think I just need a t-shirt at this point that says smorgasbord. Yeah. Uh, the smorgasbord life. But you had a lot of different types of people. You know, that's the benefit of an honors dorm. Forget the word honors. Just a, uh, something that doesn't uh, unite people based on a specific uh, study area. We, right. We had aviation majors. Recording industry majors. And I remember just being like, man, this is cool. All the different types of people. I'm Here we are watching an actor, you know, in, in yeah. his element. And you were, it was super funny. I remember it was more people laughed with your character in the building. And I remember we were just <laughs> going crazy, like clapping. Yeah. But how did, give me the origin story of acting for you. Like, when did you know, where did, bring us to that place. Okay. Um, so I'll start off with back in middle school, I had to say the Pledge of Allegiance in front of the entire school when I was in eighth grade. And it was a freaking scary experience for me. And I'm saying something that I know and I've said my whole life, but when you get up in front of an audience and you're not prepared for it, it can be overwhelming. And so I, I did say the Pledge of Allegiance, but I was sweating and I was scared and I was afraid I was going to mess up. And it was just kind of overwhelming. So, you know, fast forward to sophomore year in high school, I decided that I was going to take a theater class because there was a, a cute girl that I liked <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she had taken the theater class and I thought, oh, well if I take a theater class, maybe I'll be in the same class with that girl because she's cute. And As so many things begin. As so many things begin. Uh, but it turns out it's kind of dumb reasoning because she had already taken the class that I enrolled into. She was in, like in the second year theater program and I was in the first. <laughs> I was a logical kid back then. Yeah. Uh, wisdom. Uh, wisdom. Bravery. Yeah, bravery. <laughs> Uh, so I took this. I took this theater class, and 
I, you know, still I was afraid to talk in front of people. But throughout this class, I found that if I was playing a character, it wasn't me on the stage. It was this character on the stage. And it's almost like having a mask to hide behind. Mm. Nobody knows that it's you. It's just this mask on stage. And I found that because I have a really hyperactive imagination, I was able to channel it into these characters that I play that allowed me to speak in front of an audience and not be afraid because it's this character, it's not me. And I found that I was kind of good at that. And we would have votes at the end of doing scenes and a lot of people would vote me as the best actor. That was pretty surprising for me because here's this kid who's afraid to speak in front of an audience, but I was getting recognition for uh, the work I was doing and the imagination and creativity I put into playing these characters. And so uh, from there, I just thought, hey, maybe this is something that I could look into. And I kept doing more and more theatrical productions and getting better and honing my skills. And when I went to college at MTSU, I, I was definitely in the theater program there. But my major was actually electronic media production, which is mm. like video production. That's right. Um, I, th I thought it would be good to learn all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on as far as producing, directing, camera work. And that would help me become a better actor because I know the limitations that you can do on screen. Um, so, yeah, my, my major was media production. My minor was theater. I almost double majored in theater, but I would have had to take, I think, two history classes and a directing class and maybe another foreign language. I don't know. And I just didn't want to be at school another two semesters. Right. But right. I was basically a theater major. <laughs> well, and it's a well-rounded way of going about it. That Sure. Would you say that you had this moment when you were young where it was very uncomfortable mm -hmm. and as kids, we all remember those like moments where you kind of realize the world is not necessarily a predatory place, but you can feel deeply uncomfortable if you felt relatively safe. Now, some people don't even get that um, luxury, mm -hmm. you know, from right at the gate there, hit the ground, run, fight for your life. Um, but it sounds like you would you was acting in some way a way of taking this disparate part, this part of discomfort and somehow, um, I don't want to say getting revenge on it, but um, defeating that fear. Like, would you connect it? Because people don't necessarily always seek out the things that made them comfortable or dis uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, let's take a, I don't know, a fear of snakes. If you're super afraid of snakes and you go to a zoo and you hold a snake and you, you understand the snake and you realize, hey, this thing isn't going to bite me, I think you start to get more comfortable around the snakes. Um, and I think everything's kind of like that. If you're afraid of something, if you slowly understand it and learn why you're afraid of it and you you slowly immerse yourself into that world, you can overcome your fears. Um, I mean, like a, like a fear of heights is like that too, you know. 
go on a ladder, go two steps up. When you're comfortable with that, go three steps up. You get a little bit higher and you realize, hey, this isn't so bad. And in, in the process of understanding it, you might also understand the legitimacy of it. Right. I mean, that often there is a very real, like certain snakes will bite you. Right. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. In, but it, it also seems like even our hike last night where we kind of bravely uh, were in the dark. Part of what makes that such a great memory and why that uh, pumpkin pie milkshake tasted so good is because we were in the dark, the literal dark, which you're talking about a metaphorical being on the, but it's, it's being in that place of discomfort is what the juice, man, the juice is worth the squeeze. Right. Uh, uh, what's, I heard, I heard a quote the other day. It was something along the lines of, um, like, Improving your life has never been comfortable. Mm. Something like that. Like there has to be some kind of discomfort in there in order for you to get ahead and and become successful with things. I find that very successful people on their way to that success, they were never comfortable. That means you can't you can't sit still and wait for something to happen. You have to go for it and make your own destiny. Yeah, if you like musicals, and maybe you don't, but Hamilton, and if you, if you, you're probably tired of hearing the words Hamilton if you keep up with, you know, theater at all, but there's a great song. I love Theater people love Hamilton. Right, and I love Hamilton. So I got Hamilton, like, just straight up. I love Hamilton, but there's a song uh, quite early on from Aaron Burr, of course, who is sort of the narrator and the guy that historically, uh, well, look it up or mm-hmm. don't. Spoiler. I don't want to give spoilers, although literally in the first song, never mind, I'm going to spoil it because it's not a spoiler. Aaron Burr kills Alexander Hamilton in a what? famous, yeah, right? Yeah, Rob <laughs> ruined it. But he, they flesh out all the characters and what's kind of cool, he has a song called Wait For It. Awesome has R&B elements to an excellent song, but it's this notion of you you cannot control the world, so I'm going to ground myself. But it is kind of this, like, I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it to happen. And they juxtapose that mentality with Hamilton's, like, I'm going to swing for the fences even if I burn the whole bridge down yeah. kind of thing, which I don't know if necessarily either one of those approaches is intelligent, but it, it's kind of fun to look at the... Um, poles the polar opposites of those Mm -hmm. you you decided to move to new york city from essentially nashville and i was wanting to really get into your your what was that like was this a decision that was slowly made was there a specific moment that kind of it really more of an epiphany kind of thing uh talk about that Oh man, um, yeah. I was I was doing some dinner theater in Nashville, and I felt like I wanted to uh, move up to where there was more acting opportunities. You know, there's there's a decent amount in Nashville, um, but I just wanted to move somewhere where there were more opportunities, and it was either New York or L.A. And I figured in New York you don't have to have a car. It seems like all the auditions happen. Here's one thing. Uh, Manhattan is only 13 miles long and about two and a half miles wide. So all the auditions happen within about a 20 block radius. Wow. 
more or less. So you can you can get on your subway, get to where these auditions take place, and you can hit two, three, four auditions a day if you have them. Whereas in LA, you have to get in your car and there's traffic and the auditions are all spread out. So you might only get one, maybe two a day. Uh, so I thought, hey, that sounds a little easier in New York to, to get started. So I might as well go there, try it out. And if I want to, I can move to LA eventually. You know, so I've got friends out there. They're doing great. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying out New York City. And I thought it would be better. I also knew some people in New York. I didn't know very many people in California. But I had some friends in New York, so I thought it'd be easier to uh, like, just find my place. Was it more gradual of a decision where the, the time frame or where was there an inciting incident or anything where it was just like, you know what? No, let's let's roll. I think um, I think we kind of just it came a, it came about pretty quickly. You know, it was always kind of in the back of our minds. I was with a girlfriend at a time, and and we were deciding to move to New York City with some roommates that we went to college with. Uh, and all all four of us were going to live together mm. in one apartment. So I think we just talked about it with them, and when they wanted to go, we wanted to go. So we just said, "Let's do it." You know, what better time than now? Yeah, and we did it. Seize the day, carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize the carp. So you you go on this quest, you pack up your stuff, Mm -hmm. and I was just wanting to go to the first day that you arrived, like, what's going on in your head, what are you seeing, what did you eat that day, just the first day, because moving to New York, you can move to a great many number of places, but New York, so many songs, you know, New York, uh, Concrete, Jungle where, where dreams, dreams are made. made. Yeah, so there's nothing you can't do when you're in New York. So, what was that first day like? Uh, it was definitely interesting. I mean, here we are coming to New York City with a U-Haul trailer, uh, crossing the bridges. You have to pay a toll to get into Manhattan, and for a car, I think it's like eight dollars. But we were pulling this trailer. I think it ended up costing thirty-two dollars to get across the bridge. And we're like, damn, this place is expensive. Right. That was our first impression of it. You know? Thanks a lot, New York. Which is still accurate. Right. 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 Why aren't the roads better? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get, in, we get into town. And I lived in a... I, moved, I first moved into a place called Washington Heights. Um, it's a very highly concentrated Dominican population there. And so coming from coming from Nashville, it was just a little bit of a culture shock um, because here, here are all these stores with Spanish names and uh, grocery stores are playing Spanish music and things like that. So it was a little bit interesting to just get thrown into that right away. But, you know, in New York, you learn to appreciate cultures and uh, people that are different from you. And I think that's the beauty of it because it truly is a melting pot. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's really interesting to, to experience that. Because you can experience it at the highest, le- you can eat food blank at its most legit right. level and then go to another building and eat something totally from another culture at its most authentic, genuine. What did you eat that first day? I have no idea. You don't remember? I have no idea. Nah. <laughs> okay. That's, that's always... Yeah. 
There's this dish up there. Uh, I'd never heard of it before. It's called mafungo. And uh, oh, yeah. Some of you guys probably had that. It's just like mashed up plantains, um, seasoned, sometimes with garlic, sometimes with sweet things. And <laughs> it's a, it's one of those dishes that you don't really hear about unless you're immersed in that culture. So that's kind of good. I had that probably half a year into being there. But that's a highlight of any other food adventures most recently you just want to throw out there while we're on the... So, uh, recently, I had... Have you ever had durian? Well, I, th- I saw your video, and I <laughs> yeah. kind of give an idea for folks if they don't know what that is. Like, just first, before you talk about it, like, durian, give a primer. Durian is this fruit found in... I don't know where it's found, like... Asia somewhere, maybe some islands. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna put that in the show uh, notes too. Yeah, sorry, sorry in advance. Uh, sorry for my my credibility. Yeah, I know it's exactly a melting. What I'm you know what? We're gonna look it up. Keep keep okay. talking though. All right. So durian is basically the stinky fruit. You cut this sucker open, and it smells like raw eggs and sewage all mixed together. And my roommate Jasmine, she brought some home. And she was like, you got to try this. And I was like, dude, I don't know. That thing stinks. I, I can't put that in my mouth. <laughs> and, and man, this thing, it, it just smells awful. But you're supposed to eat it, and it's supposed to taste kind of like pudding um, and have kind of a sweet taste. And I tried it, man, and I couldn't stand it. I about gagged because it's in your mouth. You can still smell it. And you smell what you're eating. So it tastes different than it smells? Yeah. Oh, yeah, whoa. It tastes like... It tastes like some kind of like tapioca or pudding or... Whoa. Something like that. But it just smells awful. What did you find out about it? Per Wikipedia, the durian is the fruit of several tree species belonging to the genus Durio. The name durian is derived from the Malay-Indonesian language's word... For dury or spike, a reference to the numerous spike protuberances, never said that before, of the fruit. Um, there's 30 species. Wow. At least nine of which produce a, a, a edible fruit, perhaps not edible to you. Um, and over 300 varieties in Thailand. So folks probably don't want me to continue a, a history lesson on durian, but it says... Regarded by many people in Southeast Asia as Southeast the, Asia, there we go. You know, you had it right, actually. I, I apologize. <laughs> the wisdom, wisdom. bravery, <laughs> as the king of fruits. It, so it's regarded as the king of fruits. The durian is distinctive for its lo- its large size, strong odor, and formidable thorn covered husk. It's pretty cool. Looks cool. Um, king of fruits. So I'd say something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if you I, want, I encourage you to go try it. Try it for yourself, but you know, don't open it in a concentrated area, like in a small kitchen with roommates. Don't do that. Open it outside at the park or something. At the park where nobody's around you, and don't don't open it like in a tiny room. You'll regret it. <laughs> Just sounds great. Yeah. Just, mm. Um, you have been in New York. For five years, and you've been work. You, again, you talked heavily about rejection and and overcoming that, or just not being 
derailed it all by it. Yeah. What are challenges that you have dealt with on your on your path? Uh man, there's a there's all kinds of challenges. I mean, thinking you did great at an audition and you know, maybe the casting director is like, "Hey, that was awesome." You know, and they give you compliments and you think, "Oh, man, I got this." But then you never hear anything. So, I mean, that's definitely a challenge. It, it gets to you, but like I said, you just got to sweep that one under the rug and look for something else. Um, I don't know. Things are more challenges. You know, I think uh, there's tons of challenges up there, but you got to you got to embrace them as either an opportunity or like I don't know, it's like hiking up a mountain. Yeah, it's a challenge, but you're going to get to the top if you keep pushing. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. When you go hiking, at least, you expect the challenge. Right. I mean, we have the luxury of recreationally being able to seek out challenges like that because we have enough food. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, even if you had to get up it to get your food up it or something, there's still uh, the knowledge of a challenge on the front end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... New York's kind of like that. You got to go in expecting that you're going to be challenged and embrace the challenge. And if you're prepared for that mentally, then you'll be fine. Any unexpected surprises, things that before you went there that you didn't you didn't realize some aspect, some cool thing, some not cool thing. Any unexpected aspects of of living there. Dude, it's it gets cold there. It's really cold in the winter and it's really hot in the summer. And if you're on an avenue in Manhattan, you can just feel this breeze coming off the water in the winter and it's freezing. It is so cold. And I, was, I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. I, I had to buy new jackets and boots. <laughs> so th- that was kind of an unexpected challenge is just surviving the winter. And people talk about it, you know, they're like, ah, you know, you don't know the winter here, the, yeah. the Northeast, like, you don't, and, and I've heard that before too, and gone, well, I mean, I've been cold before, be. yeah, right. but you're talking about a uh, slap, like, get your attention level. Yeah. And like, if you don't have central air and heating, which a lot of people don't, you got to have a heater and you got to have an air conditioning unit. You just have to. Or else you're gonna sweat a bunch in the summer and you're gonna freeze in the winter. I mean, and that, that's again that I, I don't think of that when I think of New York. That's a good point. I right. I do when I think of Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, of the cold, but it makes perfect sense, and especially the river, yeah, that you were talking about that aspect of the the water coming off of it. Yeah, New York's close to the ocean. The ocean is like yeah. right there. Yeah, many aspects are making it cold. Yeah. You, I don't know if you're going to share your Instagram or your Twitter or you, you feel free as we finish up with this, uh, you can, okay. you can plug your stuff and you've got a great, you actually have a great online presence. Uh, but you are one of those people that if you look at your working out pictures or your glamour pictures <laughs> you, and you know, we can make jokes and we can be sure. like, that looks, you know, look Look how sweet you look, sugar pie or whatever. I, I, Hi, ladies. There, there you go. There you go. But um, 
you are one of those levels of in shape, especially as we move into post. You're still in, you're 29, mm-hmm. but it's harder. It's harder when you get older. Uh, you're not 19 where you can consume whatever you want, which, which we did when we lived in the dorm. Yeah. We, ate, we sometimes ate cake for breakfast. Right. <laughs> uh, and it was pretty good. Pretty good. Good, good to have a, a chapter like that. Right. Thankful to have ever had such a time. But you are in a level of shape where you look at the P90X posters, you look at the whatever, the CrossFit, uh, MoveNet. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to MoveNet, by the way. Hey, uh, thank you. Send us t-shirts. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Please, please. I'm just gonna collect t-shirts. No sponsorship money, just t-shirts. All right. um, we'll take everything, money too. But how do you do that? Like, how do you do that? How do you? I mean, not that it's some magical thing, but just to go there. You know, what helps you stay? Because you're in a level again. If people check out your Instagram, you're a beast. I don't make excuses. I don't make excuses for why I can't do something. Um, Because then you're just fooling yourself. I just do it. Like if, if you have a completely full day and you're like, man, I feel so tired. I'm not going to exercise. I'd rather watch TV. Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes you can watch TV, but other times like just exercise, just do something. Go move, go for a jog, put in a DVD of a workout DVD, go to the gym, like just do it. Don't, don't fool yourself. Like, I don't know. I like, I like to be in shape. I like to feel powerful and strong and have a good solid core because not only do I feel good physically, but I feel good mentally and you're releasing cortisol and all those. Yeah. Serotonin. Serotonin. mean the good stuff. Stuff yeah. in the brain. And it just makes you feel good. And, and, and let's say you, you're having a stressful day. You know, you go for a jog, you're going to feel better. It's just natural. It's amazing how much mental duress can be cured by <laughs> climbing a tree or yeah. deadlifting or, I mean, pick your flavor that feels good for you. But, and I want to say someone might hear this and go, well, look, dude, you don't have kids. You don't, you're not working three jobs. And I, I don't think that's because all of these are legit, so, sort of like the fear thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. These are legit reasons why you can't get it done, but do something. Yeah. You can do something at the end of it. You, you can, you don't, it doesn't have to be. I think that's a fallacy that we feel sometimes that we have to do it all. We have to, it has to be perfect. Well, and, and, and people have some kind of resentment to it too. Like, oh, I got to go to the gym. No, just do do 30 push-ups. That's better than nothing. Doesn't matter if it takes you 10 minutes. Just do some push-ups. You know, grab grab your kid and do a squat with the kid. <laughs> like whatever. It doesn't matter if the the important thing I think is to maintain an active lifestyle and you can't be sedentary your whole time. You got to you got to just move. And do something. And when you start moving, it's going to be perpetual. You'll start moving more and more and more. And ultimately, you're going to have better health. You're going to have a stronger back, a stronger core. You're going to be feeling better mentally. And shoot, when the zombies attack, you'll be able to outrun them. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've heard it called stacking. And I, I think I would attribute that. I, I don't want to attribute that because I don't know if I'd be doing that right. But Katie mm-hmm. Bowman's work is a lot about, she's a biomechanist. 
she's written a lot of natural movement uh, that in that space. Mm-hmm. And her thing is that you can't be sedentary all day and then go work out for an hour. And cure, even though you might be super athletic for that hour, you, you are still mostly a sedentary human. Yeah. And even if you have kids, the ability to stack these activities into one, you got a grocery shop, you need to work out and you wish you spent more time hanging out with your kids. You can kind of group those together, Sure. walk to the grocery store. You have to select the right amount of uh, groceries for everybody to pick them up and take them back. So the yeah. kids are also involved and you're figuring it out. And of course now the kindergarten teacher and me is going, well, you could count the note. You, know, you can <laughs> yeah. loop in a great many number of lessons. You could read the labels. Yeah. You make it fun. Make it fun. That seems like that's part of what you're talking about, too. Yeah. You got to make it fun, whatever you're doing. Make it, find something exciting in what you're doing because in everything, there's always some element of fun. You just have to find it and bring it out. And kind of similar to that uh, challenge thing of the very aspect of these things being challenging and uncomfortable mm-hmm. are what makes them so fun as you go deeper. Yeah. Of course, hitting yourself in the arm with a bat, a baseball bat, that is uncomfortable and it does not yield. I get, I, I mean, your bones might get stronger. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> uh, it's extremely <laughs> optimistic way. Of, probably not the best thing you can do for yourself. Maybe it's a cheat code to life. Maybe, maybe all successes <laughs> come your way if you hit yourself in the arm with a baseball bat repeatedly. But. Uh-huh. Many things in life. Uh, Josh Gibson, when he was on here, he talked about diamonds being developed under pressure. Yeah. Uh, especially in the context of being a father and the like, the the challenges, but them making life so rich. Uh, shout out to Josh Gibson, by the way, one of our. Man, that's good. I wish I had something insightful to say like that. <laughs> well, you've you've had many a nugget here. Uh, bravery. I think bravery. we may have a T-shirt out of this very yeah. hashtag bravery. Bravery. Yeah. <laughs> um, in addition to your smorgasbord nature of uh-huh. all the things you do, I don't think you actually sleep. I I, I sometimes wonder if you're more cyborg than human. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're very handy. We teased that out earlier. Yeah. Uh, how did you become... Because you know how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know how to get things done. And I think especially in this day and age, you look at things like theartofmanliness.com, which is not a misogynistic thing at all. It's like trying to mm-hmm. educate uh, men or women. But there is, there is the, the thing of people not knowing how to do things. Right. Not knowing how to work with their hands. So how did you learn how to do that? Man, I've just always been somebody who likes to learn. I've, I've never stopped learning. And I always want to educate myself and learn how to do something. So if I don't know how to do something and I'm, I'm in a situation where either I can do it or I can pay somebody else to do it, I'm going to try to figure it out myself. You know, and... Uh, I think growing up in the South, you kind of you kind of learn to do things like that because I don't know, like you don't always have neighbors nearby who can help you out with something, so you got to try to figure it out. And I've just always tried to learn to do things by myself. I was when I was a kid, I played with connects and Legos, and mm. you know, I think that helped shape me as well because you're you're learning to build something. Uh, you're using your hands for that, and when you transfer that to adulting. Uh, <laughs> adulting, adulting. I mean, you gotta. 
I just like to figure things out. And, and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I like to build things with power tools. I, I, my dad was always handy and he always built things. Um, so I learned how to do stuff that way. And then after I graduated college, I, uh, there was a big, uh, hurricane that came through Tennessee and I worked with a contractor for a little bit repairing um, condos uh, so I, I learned some stuff there and then just throughout my life I've just constantly tried to educate myself and learn more and try to figure things out when I don't know how to do them yeah it the first part of that it sounds like the aspect of not wanting someone else to, trying to figure it out on your own rather than immediately asking for help. Mm-hmm. is a personality trait or whether developed or innate. I'm not saying that, but that, that does seem to be a very helpful thing of, you know, like, well, let me do it. Like I can figure it out because then <laughs> you've got other people like me that uh, struggles deeply with uh, direction, directional yeah. space, which is kind of <laughs> just something I'm very weak in naturally. Yeah. Um, I can remember, I would, I would remember what I had on the first day in New York. That's just how my brain works. Right. Spatially hor- horrible, horrible. But I use a GPS and I think part of the negative aspect of that mentality is if I had more of your mentality, I would be like, no, I'll figure it out. Like, and instead I surrender my sovereignty to, you know, the lady in the GPS that Mm -hmm. says turn, actually I turned her voice off. I just look at it now, but, Uh um, she's like pointing. (laughs) So there's like kind of a a positive stubborn quality there. It sounds like, but look at you with cooking, like, I don't remember you ever cooking much in in college and then you get on your own and you try to figure stuff out, you know? That's, yes. Because you have to. You can't order takeout every day. I mean, it's not healthy and uh, it's expensive. So at some point, you're kind of forced to learn something. And I mean, how did you, how did you learn to cook? Did you just try or it's a perfect, it's an excellent, it just shows how we all have areas where we, we do this uh, cooking, I, I hate when friends use the excuse, I don't have enough money for blank, but I see that they eat out three meals oh, a day. Yeah. And I'm not hating, I'm just going, well, that I eat cans of sardines sometimes, <laughs> but that's not cooking. Uh, you can get a bag of chicken for six bucks. You can get a bag a of chicken. Bag. You, you can make a salad, you can go get frozen. You can actually eat very healthy for pretty reasonable, not necessarily organic, but frozen fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Excellent way to go. Get a bag of lentils. Get a, you know. Those I, are cheap. Super like cheap. Beans, super wonderful. Dry beans. Wonderful. Lentils. Lentil. I just want to shout ooh, out to ooh. lentils. Uh, sponsor us, lentils, the bean, the, the legume. <laughs> the legume. But, I, I'm going to use a Harry Potter uh, analogy here. Okay. A lot of people like Harry Potter. I, I was a hater of Harry Potter because I was such a Lord of the Rings fan. And I thought, man, Harry Potter coming into town and trying to take the fantasy space. Who is J.K. Rowling? Like, what is it? And, of course, then eventually she got me. And I love it. Uh-huh. I, love, I, I cry at the end of uh, one of them every time. Um, Order, Order of the Phoenix. The book or the movie? Unfortunately, I only read the first one. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, again, I was a hater. I love. I read Lord of the Rings growing up, and I started reading it. And I got through. I was just like, man, she's just trying to. She's trying to be Tolkien. Why? What? Why aren't people yeah. remembering J.R.R.? But, uh, <laughs> but cooking is akin to learning a spell. 
Uh-huh. Right? Like, I love when I was a kid, I wished that there was magic. I wished that we were having to fight dragons and stuff. Yeah. I think that can be a common boy running into the woods kind of thing. Girl running into the woods. Tomboy. Whatever. Yeah. But spaghetti squash. Looks kind of weird. It's a interesting pill shape. You cut it in half. You gore the insides out with a spoon. You stick it in your oven 30 minutes. Saute it in olive oil and garlic. You Take a fork, pull it out, and it's like spaghetti, but it has no gluten in it. It's a vegetable. <laughs> it's it's a, it's magic. Yeah. Suddenly, you have learned, you've got in the back of your mind, in your spell book, if you will, <laughs> uh, this skill now, this this magic that you can do. You can now make that. It's yeah. a great feeling, but it, I didn't look at it that, at that way until, you know, the last few years. Mm-hmm. So again, I think looking at it in a way, that's a good point though. Cooking is its own version of, you, you kind of have to just get out on the dance floor. Right. Just do it. Somebody can show you and then you realize, hey, it's not that hard. Like yes. Cooking a, cooking a piece of chicken in a pan, pour a little oil in, put the chicken in. After a while, you flip it over and then after a while, it's done. Like there's not... And mess it up. You can mess yeah. things up. I think that was, you know, I had the thing of, well, I don't want to, when I was super young, you know, uh-huh. before you'd done any of this, well, I don't, I don't want, and then when you do get it and you don't, and you make an egg and it's all right, it's pretty good. Yeah. There's confidence that arises. Oh, these grown ups that are messing with the stove, they aren't wizards. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this too. Right. It's easy. You just got to try it. Which is which could be applied to a great many number of areas yeah, in life. Anything. What's a it takes ten thousand hours to be good at something. Yeah, the mastery level. Yeah, the master something. Malcolm so, Gladwell, I think. Closer you get to that, the better you're going to become. You just go out and do it. And I think the no weekend wasted thing that I write about is maybe maybe put in twenty thousand hours on a bunch of different things, which of course yeah. has its weaknesses, but. Um, Again, like you say, get in there, get some scars, do it, you know, maybe not get scars while you're cooking. What do you do for fun now? What do I do for fun? Yes. Uh, I don't have any fun ever. I don't know. I like to, I like to take photos and make videos. Um... When we were in college, we actually entered a, a movie. We made a movie over the course <laughs> of a spring break and entered it into a film festival. Uh, and I have a past, too, of growing up and making videos. Yeah. And so you, you're still kind of playing with that right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just, uh, it's fun. I love to do that. Um, but fun stuff that's not really related to what I do in real life. I like to snowboard in the winter. I find that fun. Uh, I'd like to, I've done a few eating challenges. Oh, interesting. Kind of fun. We've talked about this, but what, what yeah. name, take us through one of them that you did that's particularly epic. So the last, I think the last one I did was a, a four pound barbecue burrito. <laughs> you had to eat this giant four pound barbecue pork burrito filled with beans and coleslaw wrapped in like 20 tortillas. And then you had to eat half a pound of mac and cheese and half a pound of banana pudding. Okay, I remember this. Under one. an hour. And what did you get if you 
achieved it. You got a t-shirt and a poster. <laughs> I'll you do anything get for it. a t-shirt as evidence. Right? Yeah. yeah, seriously. I did not get the t-shirt. I ate everything except for about three or four tortillas. But I ate everything else. You and got that, through the pudding. Yeah, I got through the pudding. That morning, I had eaten pancakes for breakfast. Oh. Like, probably about the same number of pancakes as were left tortillas. And I was thinking, man, if I had not eaten the pancakes, I probably could have eaten everything and not had to pay $40 for a burrito. <laughs> for a failed burrito. <laughs> a burrito, yeah. And it's just so disappointing because you're like, I literally can't move. I feel sick. And I still have to pay $40 because <laughs> I failed. <laughs> that's another great metaphor for life. Right? I didn't fail. Not right now. Yeah. One right day, now. I'm going to go back. No. Uh, how about that? Throw that burrito. How about, what's the name of the place? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It's a... Uh... East Tennessee, though. Yeah. East Tennessee. I think it's near Merrillville. Look, man. We're going to get revenge. Okay. We've talked about, I remember this eating challenge yeah. a year ago. We're going to get revenge on this specific eating challenge. This yeah, is a really. shout out to what, it, we'll put that also in the show notes. Right. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of, a lot of show notes, but we're we, coming for you. we're coming. We, I will do this challenge with you too. And we'll write about it. We'll yeah. do a post if we end up pulling this off. You know, I'm just not going to bring any money. So <laughs> I don't have the option of failing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a good strategy. I don't have any money, so I have to finish it. Man, I'm, I'm excited. Let's yeah. let's do, let's do it. I want that T-shirt. It's a great motivator. Me too. I'm going to ask you one last question. Okay. And this is one. If you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, this is one of my favorite questions that he often uh, closes out on, or it's very common at the end. What advice would you give? Let's say your 18 year old self. Hmm. Hmm. There's a cool quote by Teddy Roosevelt, and it's, do what you can where you are with what you have. And I think that's a good quote to live by, 18-year-old um, self, because uh, that's all you can do. You know, you can't have, I don't know, like you can have expectations, but don't live too much in the future. Don't live too much in the past. Just live in the moment. Do what you can where you are with what you have. Uh, Do you find that you were kind of constantly thinking about the next thing? Sometimes. Um, where was I at 18? I guess I was like graduating high school. Let's do 19. Let's do the beginning of college. I mean, not yeah. that that's probably about the exact same time, but sure. Uh, I, I feel that, I, I mean, I hear that advice and I go, man, yeah, you're right. You know, thirty-year-old self, mm -hmm. you you should because look at Felder, look at how many times friends have been referenced on this very yeah. recording, and that building doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Um, I think you know, there's something, there's a, like a confidence that you develop with age, and some people have it right away when they're eighteen, nineteen, and other times it takes a while to develop that. So I don't know if I would tell myself, like, figure out a way to find confidence. But I don't know how to say that. Like, fine. Sometimes. Try to, try to be so comfortable with yourself that you emanate confidence. I don't know. 
And can you get there though? Do you do you really think you can get there without having walked the path of those years? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think maybe there's some more advice like cherish your friendships more. Always ask questions. Uh, never be complacent or comfortable, and maybe try to go on more dates. uh i think that's a i I, not that i mean you brought it to a dating field um and there are great benefits to being a a minefield you mean (laughs) perhaps perhaps it can be a minefield it can definitely be a minefield even if people are not evil and weird it is a minefield it is a and i guess the sooner you start walking the more minds you know how to walk around and the ones you know how to walk towards i guess good minds you gotta turn the destructive mind into a gold mine. Maybe. Whoa, like Maybe. That? Wow. Wow. <laughs> there you go. There's Turn your the wisdom. Explosive minds into a gold mine. I want to finish up on a quote that I've shared with you because you mentioned a Teddy Roosevelt uh-huh. quote. And this is one that is from highly popularized from Brene Brown, the work of Brene Brown. Obviously, he said this in a speech. Yeah. But I feel like this is a very strong way to finish up. Um, would you like to read it or would you like me to read it? You can read it. It's called The Man in the Arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Thank you, Ben Dawson. Thank you, Aaron Bertram. Do you want to plug your Twitter or your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram your website? My Instagram is the Ben Dawson. T-H-E Ben Dawson. How do you spell uh, Dawson? I know, but... Ben, well, Ben is spelled B-E-N. <laughs> Dawson is spelled D-A-W-S-O-N. If you want to find me on Facebook, it's Ben Dawson. Uh, I don't have Twitter. You I, got a website, though. I have a website, www.actorbendawson.com. Can they find your YouTube stuff there, too? You you actually have a video of you eating a durian fruit somewhere, don't you? Oh, shoot, I don't know. Probably on Facebook somewhere. Yeah, if you scroll down to my videos, I'm sure it's there. We'll try to put that also in the show notes. (laughs) Live in the arena. Get in the ring. Get on the dance floor. Get some scars. Learn how to cook spaghetti squash. Amen. I really enjoyed getting to sit down with my good friend. This was now, goodness, this was now last November, November of 2016 when we sat down. And this is one of the first interviews that I recorded 
I think one of my favorite parts of that were the the adventures that we had had that day. And and there's so many lessons wrapped up in that episode for me personally, but I really liked that you know, we had that very well no, sorry, it was the day before, but we had gone on a hike. We had had grand food. You know, parks are are close to most people. In fact, if you're listening in the state where I am in Tennessee, you know, you can, I think it's something like everywhere in Tennessee, you're within an hour or something like that of some type of a state park. Probably should check that statistic. But anyway, it's these adventures that we have. And I love his mentality. He's an extremely positive person who has again, leapt into the arena of acting, which requires kind of what we talked about, an indomitable spirit, the ability to keep going. As they say in Rocky Balboa, the movie that came out in the, I guess, early 2000s, Rocky 6, I think that would be Rocky 6, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can take punishment and keep coming. Something like that. You know, that that's life. It doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with the specifics of anybody's path because that's what we're doing. That's the game we're playing. And I think that the, just hearing somebody that has found a way to keep fighting in the midst of all the different challenges. I love it. I love it. It's inspiring, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you will tune in next Tuesday for another... Excuse me, and I know that this was Wednesday when I put out this, if you're listening. Uh, That was because of the Labor Day hours. (laughs) So next Tuesday, expect another conversation with an epic person who is both ordinary and epic. Until then, have a great week wherever you are, and take care.